This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Suns. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's www.rendineconsulting.com. Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sons Show. That's at The Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pitt Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love bonus Kenny Pickett mm, and hate closed scrimmages, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show. Your safe, sunshiny place for your Pitt Athletics fix. Brought to you by Pittsburgh Sports Now. Today is August 17th and... Kenny Pickett is straight up winning 10 Super Bowls. We said it on last week's show. That was the most electric preseason game in NFL history. I, no one can deny that. I thought it when I walked into the stadium. It had a little bit of a buzz. It's a, it's a bit of a different crowd during the preseason. You've got a lot of young kids there. It's a little more family friendly. But by the time Kenny trotted out there, I felt like we were playing for a playoff spot on the line. It was it was beautiful. We had some Kenny Kenny chance. He drove him down, scored a touchdown on the first drive. Wouldn't expect anything less. And yeah, grass is green, water is wet, the sky's blue. And there were a ton of pit fans there. A lot of people wearing number eight jerseys. A few bad apples who were rooting against Kenny. Probably some West Virginia or attendant state fans, but it absolutely electric. Best preseason game ever. I'll be I'll be there on the twenty eighth uh, when they trot out against the Lions. I was nervous for a preseason game because I was worried about all of the terrible takes about Pickett if he went like six for fifteen and forty five yards. Why would you think that would happen? I don't know. I forgot that this Pittsburgh sports media is very reasonable and are all rooting for Kenny Pickett. He's right. Really, just a bunch of good guys who are rooting for the best possible outcome and not whatever they can complain about the most for an hour. But that didn't happen because he had the best preseason. He had the best debut of any rookie quarterback ever. Statistically. Statistically, the highest QB rating of any first game rookie quarterback in the last 30 years of the preseason. Wouldn't expect anything less. I... I did go into it very, very stressed out. I mean, so I was still on vacation. I'm here now. You're looking at me. I'm here now. Um, but it was last night of vacation, and, like, everybody there was. We had to we had to stream it through my laptop, HDMI cord, whole setup, um, like, locked in. Like, even my sisters that don't give two shits were, like, we're locked in on this preseason game, specifically the second half of this preseason game. And I was really nervous because um, we have very much a stake in Kenny Pickett's success. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, every single snap, every single down. 
Um, but when he got out there and he got into a little bit of a groove, it was it was like, well, of course, the, Kenny Pickett is doing Kenny Pickett things. He looks he looks confident. He looks mature. He's in a rhythm. He looks scrappy. Like this is foolish of me to think there was even a possibility that he'd go out there and make a fool of himself. It kind of reminded me of when he was a freshman, first getting his feet wet at Pitt. Few plays where he's just making guys miss, making something happen with his feet, keeping drives alive. That's kind of what he did as a freshman, and that was one of the first things I liked about Kenny Pickett against when he got some sparing action against Virginia Tech, against NC State. Obviously, the game against Miami was how well he moved. And I think, obviously, as he got older in his pick career, he sat in the pocket a little bit better, got through his reads. But pro games a little faster. He did, made a few made a few plays with his feet, and we'll continue to see him get more comfortable. But also it's, got chased down. I thought that bad a couple a couple, times. couple he, plays where he would have outran that guy in college. Yes. It didn't happen in the NFL. So oh, he who was it? The one linebacker had him by the arm, and he tried to uh, squirm away, but he just ripped him down. That was a uh, it wasn't that a welcome. Was, that to the was NFL the one moment. where he light just went out. Um, that was the one near the goal line, right? Yeah. There was another one at about midfield where uh, where he was trying to outrun like an outside linebacker to get to the edge to make a throw, you know, on the run, and he just got flagged down, completely gunned down in the streets. But that's the thing about Kenny Pickett. He learns, he gets better, and he will win a Super Bowl. He will win 10 Super Bowls. This year he will win a Super Bowl. You can't win more than one Super Bowl in a year. If anyone could figure out a way, it's KP8. Showed he was tough as nails, just like he was at Pitt. Took a few shots. On the game-winning throw, the Tyler Bonds, he took a shot um, from, a, from a defender right in his face and got back up, roughing the passer. Doesn't matter. Still through the game-winner. So that's the Kenny we've come to love and know, and I can't wait to see more of it in the future. Also, side note, Tyler Bonds, the only reason I know who he is, if you go and watch any Keaton Slovis highlights from Keaton's freshman year, Tyler Vaughn's was his favorite target, and I remember watching, we were watching his highlights yeah. not that long ago, because that's what we do, is watch Keaton Slovis highlights. It was, a, it was a Wednesday night, what are we going to do, like, exercise, or do chores, or... Right, yeah. so, he's thrown to this receiver, number 21, and we look it up, we're like, who, who was this guy? Tyler Vaughn's, and he looked like a potential Blitnikoff winner, and turns out he's just an undrafted free agent on the Steelers. So a little full circle moment with Keaton in the crowd watching watching the guy. Yeah. You know, he He's following in his footsteps and throwing to a guy he was throwing to four years ago. So just total full circle moment with the Pitt Panthers in the crowd. It was just absolutely amazing night. No, you couldn't script a better preseason game. No, absolutely not. Uh, 13 of 15, 95 yards, two touchdowns quarterback rating of 132.6 it did admittedly really feel like they were going short with him um right give him confidence a little little sean watson-esque i would say a little afraid of that but it, it did in some aspects look more like a uh matt canada offense than he was running with the other two quarterbacks the matt canada offense that we're acutely familiar with uh, do you think that is a sign 
that Canada is kind of putting his eggs in that Kenny Pickett basket of like, well, why do, do I have to teach Mason Rudolph every every page and every every line and you know every wrinkle of my playbook if he's not going to be? I think Kenny's definitely more. His skill set is more equipped for a Matt Canada offense. You know the rollouts on the run more than Mason Rudolph is. So maybe just playing to those guys' strengths. But I I don't see Rudolph sticking around too long. He got booed before he even took a snap. Pittsburgh fans don't want him. He's been in Pittsburgh for long enough at this point. I think the Steelers know who he ha- they have with him. I don't think they would have went and got a free agent quarterback and used the first round pick on a quarterback. So yeah, probably they're probably not throwing all of the Matt Canada offense at him yet. I'm excited to see, I don't know if it'll be next week, maybe the week after, give Pickett the start. Then he'll be playing against starters. He'll have some starters on his side maybe for a drive or two. Then really, they don't open the playbook, but let him throw more than a couple yards downfield, all that. So I I guess that would have been section B of my question. Um, Does his performance on Saturday night change your feelings about uh the circumstances surrounding him being given that you know first team job no i think trubisky is going to be the starter in week one i think he will probably start most of the season at some point they'll work kenny in but i've kind of figured that was the plan all along let me let me reiterate not what you think will happen but your personal feelings towards it I'll be honest, trying to be as unbiased as possible, I thought Mitch looked pretty good. I thought he moved pretty well. He made some nice throws. And being with the first team, he looked pretty comfortable. For He looked like a veteran, which he is. He's been in the league for a few years. Kenny was electric. Don't get me wrong. Competitor goes and gets us the win. But I mean, I obviously want Kenny to play. But I want them to bring Kenny along slowly enough to where they don't ruin him i want them to develop him and give him the best chance of success in the nfl so i personally do think that probably is letting him sit for a little bit and get his bearings straight he's the quarterback of the future he's the franchise quarterback the city already loves him i'm sure the locker room already loves him i'm sure the front office loves him but so they need to treat it right they can't rush it because local media personalities want him to play and they can't bury him on the bench because local media personalities want to see him fit. By local media personalities, do you mean us three? Correct. Okay. Could you name any more prominent Pittsburgh sports media no, authorities? I, I could not. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. I, Dylan, I think you are very much correct, and I think that's what separates... Um, I, I do want to side quest acknowledge that this is the farthest outside of our lane we have ever stepped. We are now talking about... Pittsburgh Steelers football, but I digress. Um, We're not talking about Steelers football. We're talking about Kenny Pickett. This is damn near a Kenny Pickett podcast as much as it is a Pitt podcast. Hey, you guys are right. We're We're all wearing Kenny Pickett jerseys. We had to talk about him for a bit. You got the the baby blue special that everyone got from DHgate last year? Yeah, yeah. This is what I get for buying a $25 jersey from China. I deserve this, but it's it's fine. This this jersey is like 6-0 or something uh, in Heinz Field. but the the point I wanted to make before I interrupted myself, uh, that is the Pittsburgh Steelers being the Pittsburgh Steelers as opposed to, like, some dumpster organization like Arizona who took Josh Rosen because he was, 
like the last first round quarterback available, gave him like six games, benched him, put him back in, benched him, put him back in, and then drafted another guy number one overall the next year. Like this is an organization that is going to take care of our dear sweet boy. They better. They're going to do right by him. Yeah. That's why I was excited. Well, I was excited because of the Pittsburgh Steelers draft to Kenny Pickett. But yeah. when it was leading up to the draft, there were people saying, Pitt fans saying, I don't know if that's the best situation. The Steelers are kind of a mess right now. And I'm thinking, I don't know a better franchise for a young quarterback to go to to be prepared to succeed in the NFL. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been the epitome of success in the NFL for 40, 50 years 50 at this years. point. So I'm excited about that. They're going to handle him the right way. And Kenny's going to be a stud because Kenny is a stud. And I don't sure. think this will be the last time we'll be talking about Kenny Pickett's pro career on this podcast. So, No, I'd be shocked if it was the last time. Minus 10,000 that we'll talk about it again, probably next week. After the next preseason game. Maybe it'll be a recurring segment. Wink, wink. We've already discussed it. It's going to be. So, pit football. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Back to, back to what you, you pay to have us here for. Um, so, pretty slow week for the Pitt Panthers. Uh, they are now fully in the grind of camp. However, what we did get to experience is the first full live scrimmage of the camp season uh do you guys have any particular thoughts about what you saw on saturday well we didn't see anything we weren't invited and i thought about finding a spot outside of the practice facility get some binoculars like climb a tree uh but i didn't also narduzzi probably would have called the police on me so uh, i did no narduzzi would have came out and like homer simpson to bart <laughs> simpson wrung your neck right out in front of the facility He's like, did Neil Brown send you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hilarious that college football gets to treat its practices and scrimmages the way that, like, third-world dictatorships treat everything. Like, you are, you, are only, you are not looking at anything. You are not getting a, a genuine view into what is going on. Um, but we will tell you a couple bullet points about how everything went perfectly, uh, and that is, that is all you are getting. Yeah, both the offense and the defense looked great. Every both quarterbacks looked great. Every skill player looked great. Everyone's in the best shape of their life. That type of thing. Well, we did have a few hashtag sources tell us a few things, David. What was uh, the synopsis that you got? Well, that, that's the hilarious thing about this uh, university state sponsored media that comes out of practices. They still invite like donors to stuff. So. And, and donors love to talk. So you, you'll always get a, a couple things that kind of wiggle their way into the uh, pit Twitter sphere. Um, the, the thing that we, we hear consistently, the most consistently, is that uh, I guess Bengali Kamara is the greatest defensive football player ever born. He's like if uh, Hugh Green and LT had a baby somehow, and that baby was also... Aaron Donald, but better, you, but better. They, they'll figure out athletic. the science between like th- a thruple. He's good having a child. He's pretty good at football. Is what you're getting at. The, I, I lied. We did see some things. We saw a couple two second long snippets of a highlight video, and in that you can see Kamara 
intercepting a tip pass, I believe, or he dove for a, a pass, he intercepted it, ran right over and stuffed it down the turnover dunk hoop. So can confirm he made a good play. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the consensus has been that his playmaking ability is pretty off the charts and that we are no longer looking at, like, dear God, we just need an underclassman to step up after losing what felt like our entire line back in court to this guy is a legitimate defensive weapon. He told us at the golf outing he was going to make some noise, and we've heard nothing but good things about him since spring. He was the most improved player in the spring. We know that that's a position that needs to step up with Cam Bright and Phil Campbell leaving. Kamara might just be an upgrade over those guys at the star spot. And yeah. that would be huge if we just replaced one of our biggest losses from last season to just actually being an improvement. Shane Simon most likely playing on the other side. Yeah. Maybe they don't miss a beat at the linebacker spot. We talked to Voss, and you'll hear us talk to Savasier in a little bit here, but Voss told us that that it, there can be a bit of a learning curve when you first start getting your feet wet playing those spots, but basically all we've heard from him was that Bengali has been all business, taking care of his reads, watching a lot of film, wanting to know all the details, asking a lot of questions, and I'm really excited to watch him on, yeah. on September 1st. He's... I think we've this happened before. This has happened before in pit training camps. You hear about a guy. One I think of right away is Jalen Twyman. I feel mm-hmm. like this happened with Kalaja Kansi before. You hear about these guys in camp. Jordan Addison, when he first came in, he was a freshman. You hear mm-hmm. about these guys. A lot of good things coming out of camp, and it turns out that where there's smoke, there's fire, and these guys actually are have made that leap and just look unbelievable. Yeah, usually if you watch all of Pat Narduzzi's. Uh, post-practice press conferences. Like might we be able, do. Yes. We like have nothing we do, else going on in our lives. As soon as they come out. Uh, but about once a spring, you'll pick up on one guy who the coaches actually get excited about. Reporters will ask about new guys, like, oh, this new guy's getting more playing time. How does he look? And Narduzzi will say, oh, he looks pretty good. He's going to contribute for us this year. We're excited about Yeah, he's going to be a that. good player for us. Yeah. But Dylan mentioned Jalen Twyman was the first time I like raised my eyebrows. Like, they're like, yeah, this guy is actually really good. You can and kind they're of excited see their, about their it. eyes light up. A and then there's bit. a little bit of that with Izzy last year going to the season. Like, yeah, Izzy, he's a little different. And you can tell they acted that way. And I feel like Bengali Kamara is this year's version. Everyone asks about him every time they're like, yeah, this is a guy who's going to be good. Like, we're very confident in this guy's ability. And they're not just saying he's good and moving on to the next question. So I think we can pencil him in his. Second team All ACC. I didn't know we were underselling him. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I just said he is the the thruple child of uh, Hugh Green. True, LT, but he hasn't played for uh, an ACC blue blood like Clemson, Miami, North Carolina. So it's a little harder. Whatever. When you rack up three hundred tackles, <laughs> eight interceptions, and fifteen sacks in one season. I think they have to put you up there. And that's kind of where I've set the bar. Okay. We have now talked about Camara enough that I'm setting the bar at 300 tackles. Okay, so <laughs> we didn't actually see that much. We're hypothesizing. What do we think happened? Let's do a little role-playing exercise here. Like, What do we think happened in the 
So I think a lot of the studs probably didn't play. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say Jalen Barden had a big day. I think Jalen Barden's getting undersold because the transfers coming in, Mumfield and Means, Jared Wayne, we know what we're going to get from him. Jaden Bradley played a little bit last year. But I feel like Jalen Barden's kind of been that forgotten guy. And he has made several big plays in his career at Pitt so far with pretty limited action. Miami game last year, he had a huge catch late, ends up breaking his collarbone, misses, I believe, the rest of the season. Um, big play against Virginia Tech as a freshman. Big play in the game we don't speak of last year, but he had, I mean, he has made some big plays. He has game-breaking speed. Do you think it's Do you think it's funny that we will talk about the Miami game, but the West Western Michigan game is like that Taboo. must not be named? <laughs> I don't think it's very funny at all. I'm not laughing. All right, we'll carry on. But I think Barden probably had a big day, probably showed out, and I think Pitt is legit five deep at receiver with guys who can go. See, this is not a hot take. Uh, it's a very safe bet, but based off of uh, two or three one-second clips of that highlight video they put out, Izzy looked like Barry Sanders mixed with Derrick Henry. They showed him breaking through the line once, and I think he got a touchdown. Uh, so I'm just going to come to the conclusion that he had Nine carries, 89 yards of the touchdown. I just keep picturing on 9-1, 9-1. I keep picturing the first play from scrimmage is he just taking it like 75 yards to the house. He might just blow a West Virginia player's uh, helmet off, lowers his shoulder right to the chin strap. I think it's like Palco-esque. I think it's pretty offensive that you're just assuming he's not going to house the opening kickoff. He's going to let it go what through the back. What kind of pit fan are you? He's going to let it go through the back of the end zone. Ah, uh, more room for him to then. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he needs to get his Heisman campaign. You know, the pollster's going to look at rushing yards. He, he's got that figured out. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a smart guy. Smart guy. Um, I would... Did that burp I just did pick <laughs> up on the audio? All right. Before we get to our next segment, we wanted to take a moment to let our faithful listenership know that the Loyal Sun Show is currently in the market for additional sponsors for the 2022 season. If you or someone you know would be interested in having us promote your goods and or services to Panther Nation via this show and our social platforms, please reach out to us at loyalsunsemail at gmail.com. You can also DM us at the Loyal Sons on Twitter and Instagram. We are happy to provide data on our listenership, engagement, and impressions upon request. All ad revenue will go toward enhancing the quality of our show, increasing our efforts to promote the Pit brand, and probably beer. Yeah, so I, I burped in my mouth a little bit, and it set off a an absolute commotion i was gonna say cataclysmic chain of events um squid swallowed a mic like we're not the power in my house went out we don't know how to act on camera yet so yeah we're, we're getting better you think pittsburgh sports now regrets giving us this money well it's gone now so <laughs> nothing really they can do yeah um we're talking about things that we assume happened at the scrimmage right mm-hmm. yeah um, Slovis probably looked great. Patty probably looked great. Everyone looked great. 
Um, Carter Warren probably almost hospitalized a walk on. Yeah. The special teams is all pretty new. Well, the kicker's back, but new long snapper, new punter. Our punters never played football before. Never played American football. We're not going to be punting much, or else I would actually be worried. If we had any other... Well, I guess it would make a difference if there were any other position, because <laughs> it's football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't just not play football and start playing college. But punters, yeah, yeah, yeah. They can just be something. I don't know. You ever straight. see the blind side? They just threw Michael Orr on the field, and he was automatically... Well, that was in high school, right? And he was yeah, also... Yeah, what's college but old high school? All right. Well, I'm I'm hoping it looked good. I don't even know where we go from here. We did. Uh, I'm just saying. I I'm getting flashbacks of uh, Chris Dulu against Penn State in 2018. Back in the, that day. That guy. I think he. He didn't know how to catch a football yet, and that, that kind of caused issue. some issues. Um, no, what worries me is also didn't know how to punt a ball further than 35 yards. Also, also caused an issue. Yeah. The thing that always worries me is I think once a year you see a punter try to do the Australian like kicking style, but once a year he'll just try to run it for a first down and get nowhere close. It's always electric when he does get it, though. Yeah, but it happens like 20% of the time. The other 80% they get stopped like nine yards short because they realize, oh, yeah, I'm a punter and everyone else is just a lot better athlete than I am. So I hope we have him on a – a short leash. It would just... I'm not going to start getting pessimistic here, but it would be, be a... Sh- very pit of pit. To ruin their dream season because they just can't figure it out on special teams. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So... I wish you didn't say that. We... We can, we can chop that part out. <laughs> don't, don't you think... I have one more thing to worry about now. But don't you think by, like, speaking it into existence existence mm. that we are jinxing it yes yes that helped a lot last year because we came up with every possible terrible scenario last year and none of them happened except for one i do think we have to knock pit fans down a peg i've been feeling a little too confident lately we do pit fans have been getting cocky in fact big game boomer uh known listener to the loyal sun show uh he put us in the category, in the tier of uh, fan bases coming into the season too cocky. And if he's smart enough to know that we are uh, one of the best follows on Pit Football Twitter, which he said in a tweet in one of his little Excel charts, then he's smart enough to know if maybe you know we're we're stepping over the line as Pit fans. But there is some logic behind it. You saw that one uh, computer simulation or computer model that said that Pitt had the sixth best percent chance to make the playoff out of every team in college football? Yeah, it undersold it. Okay, so... Just, just please win. Just please win on September 1st. We aren't begging enough. Dylan's right. Okay. We haven't got a please win in since the damn Peach Bowl. Did we ever ask Pitt basketball to win? Please win. It was get... not worth our time. Okay, we didn't want to save, or <laughs> we wanted to save our our goodwill, our yeah. goodwill, yeah, with God. Um, so, please win September first. Please catch the punts and punt it at least 
40 yards. And I, well, we probably won't have to punt against West Virginia, but Tennessee might, might be a few here and there. Yeah, like once third string quarterbacks in. Please win. Please win. Please. Okay, so we are recording this on Monday, August 15th, 2022. You know what came out today? It's our favorite thing. We've been waiting a while. Is it the Associated Press preseason poll? Yes, it was. Oh, usually we're... Why are you usually... asking? You sent it to me. <laughs> I was playing along. I got you. Yeah, okay. Okay. Usually we're anticipating to see if Pitt will get like any votes. And if somebody puts... I don't even think I've anticipated that the past few years. Did they get any preseason votes last year? I would have to go back and look. Probably a couple. I'll do some recon. Yeah. But anyway, we usually we'll check and see, like, did anybody put us in the top 25? Were we amongst the others receiving votes? And which of those, like, non-Power 5 schools would we beat by 30? Now, we don't know how low in the teens we would be. Or if we would get snubbed, put in the 20s, at which point we would riot. And uh, I don't know where we would riot, but... We would make we, our voices we would, hard. We would start beheading French monarchs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right down in Market Square. Mm-hmm. But when the coaches' pool came out, I think we were pleasantly surprised that we were at 16. We Very said, pleased. We couldn't really bitch about that. 17, only a spot lower. I think that's about where we anticipate. I thought we might be a little lower with the pollsters, but 17 is feels very fine. It's very funny that we're super pleased that we got the <laughs> ranking that we thought we deserved. deserved. Yeah. yeah. That we were, we were so greatly expecting to just be pissed off today. Well, today, the first thing that I saw before I saw the actual AP poll top 25 official top 25, we saw Brett McMurphy's. Oh, my gosh. What do you have? He had Penn State 10th? I don't or, know where he had Penn He had Miami at 4. That was what it was. He had Miami at 4, and he had Pitt... In the 20s, I believe. Brett McMurphy broke pretty much the Urban Meyer, uh, Zach Smith abuse scandal and cover-up. And he realized how many more clicks he got when people were pissed off at him. And he's just been leaning into it ever since. Because the entire city of Columbus wanted to burn his house down. And I... I don't think his profile was ever higher, but I digress. But after seeing that, I was a little bit worried because there's always a few people out there who feel a little too special about having a vote and try to do something outlandish, like put Miami at number four. To be fair, or, he he was, but he did put Miami much higher than anyone else. I think the next highest anyone had them at was eight, which still feels a little high, but he was the only one who was that ridiculous with Miami. So we were a little worried after seeing that, but all the dust settled, and Pitt was right where we thought they should be. So, uh, Not only was Pitt about where... Well, not necessarily where we thought they should be. I, I think that they should be the number one team in the country. Right. Uh, when they give the Loyal Sons a vote, there would if they gave the Loyal Sons a vote... When we kidnap a voter... Correct. And, and, and his vote is contingent on the safe return of his children or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there will be a, per, a one in parentheses again, next to Pittsburgh. Absolutely. 
Um, I, I do think it was it was fair if, from the perspective of, you know, people who don't have a weekly pit podcast and don't study the team as yeah and and you know constantly i have to remind myself that because i'm like well we have all these players coming back and the players that we lost we're replacing with pretty good players and 95 joe schmo of those a, guys don't know canada Field. Yeah, yeah joe schmo with uh on the yukon beat ha- has no idea no not at all um so yeah to that extent i think we're we were pleased that people who don't really get to pay attention that closely thought highly enough of us to put us in that range. Uh, but they got a couple other things pretty correct, I thought. There's um, one off the top of my head that I liked. Uh, Penn State unranked. Others receiving votes. I mean, you can take some solace in that, Nittany Lion fans. Yeah. How many votes did West Virginia get? I know. It was zero. Mm, yeah. Like the kid from Holes. Zero. So, those two are right where they should should be. Penn State, if you trickle down to the others receiving votes, they're 29th, which... Unrivaled, unranked. Attendance State. We are. God love them. I was also... I, I was surprised by that. Because... Nate. Given the opportunity to give Penn State the benefit of the doubt. National media will do that 10 out of 10 times. Nathan Baird uh, put Penn State at number 8. It's every it is Penn State but it's also any other blue chip school that isn't that good but they have like a few more spots to fill so I was like yeah we'll throw this team in there cuz they're big and are usually sometimes big brands. Good. Yeah, you 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 operate under an assumption that this large brand is a large brand because they do something right and we extrapolate that to recruitment and preparation and we just assume <laughs> we aren't going to cut after that one uh they, they just assume like yeah they probably had a really great off season and i their recruiting rankings in the last couple of years were pretty high if they even deign to look at them um we can move this guy up. All, all the good players that they lost are going to be replaced by better players. Uh, so, you know, they get the benefit of the doubt. It's the same reason that uh, Texas A&M is, going, is ranked, you know... Sixth. Sixth, despite not having a particularly great quarterback situation. They're just uh, going to go 9-3. and three, Not make the SEC championship game. 8-4 and, and four if they're lucky. Right. And they'll pay a bunch of recruits, a bunch of money, and they'll be ranked highly again next year in the preseason. Yeah. Um, they stink. Losers who suck. Uh, but it was it was really refreshing as a Pitt fan to uh, see Penn State not get that benefit of the doubt this year. Um, it's very but, telling. Yeah. Especially if you return a, a veteran quarterback like that. Yikes. Ugh. Should they be losing sleep at night with the season approaching? I mean, they all probably think they're going to win 10 games here at the Rose Bowl again. Mm. But they won't. Anyway, uh, I think I started this sentence about five minutes ago. Uh, but, <laughs> but I was as surprised as I was to see Penn State left off. I was even more surprised to see Clemson, what, four? Mm-hmm. I, was, I was wondering. I knew you would 
wouldn't love that. That's just one of those benefits of the doubt that they're going to float around there. Like, if Ohio State had the same season that Clemson had last year, it would be the same thing. Ohio State It's a safe pick. Clemson's going to win nine or ten games minimum. So it's not – I think a lot of these voters just take the safe pick because they're afraid of saying – going out of limb and saying this team will be really good. Clemson's going to be around there at the end of the year. I mean – The assumption that they're making is – that is such a leap because you – the benefit of the doubt is – I mean – we watched Uyunglele play football last year. For them to jump from 15th to 4th to a playoff team would require such a stark improvement in this individual's ability. And he wasn't, you know, it's not like he wasn't getting helped out by his running backs or his wide receivers. All those guys are five stars. They, they have the talent there. They had Justin Ross. I agree. I agree with you. I don't think they are the fourth best team in the country. But from an outsider's perspective who is not a fan of an ACC school, they probably think NC State's going to be pretty good, but not better than Clemson. Pitt, they lost these guys. They're not going to be better than Clemson. So Clemson's the best team in the ACC. They'll probably make a push for the playoff. I... I think I don't should, disagree with you because DJ Ongalele is not a good quarterback. I think that I just but, think that we should hold college football journalists to a higher standard than we hold like people we meet at a tailgate. To yeah, that's fair. But Clemson at four, it's defensible. I don't think it's in, as indefensible as you're making out to be. I think it's pretty indefensible. What's indefensible? and I'm going through the individual voters' ballots right now, Dustin Doperak putting USC, who went 4-8 and eight last year, at number four. If you go through individual voters' ballots... It's hilarious. You'll, you'll drive yourself insane. I think, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. No, I'm actually really enjoying this. Like, this guy had uh, Matt Marshall put Penn State at 12, Pitt unranked. My favorite was the guy. I think this is a mistake. Michael Lev, NC State, number five. I feel like that's just a, I'm going to look so smart with this pick. And if they stink, I just it just won't ever be brought up again. But if NC State has a big year at the end of the year, he can just be like, look, I told you so. I was the, high, I was the one who ranked NC State the highest. NC State at five? My favorite was the guy, the UConn guy. He was all over the board. But the best part was. the UConn guy a vote? The UConn guy had a wait, vote. Wait, wait, let me, let me ask a different question. There are journalists who are paid money to cover UConn football? Well, this will explain everything, because I don't think he actually watches football because he is employed by UConn. He has North Carolina ranked at 13 and NC State unranked. So I'm pretty sure he just made a mistake and picked the wrong North Carolina school and put it 13 (laughs) and just didn't notice. Well, Because nobody else has North Carolina ranked. Anything higher than, like, 24, if at all. They were in others receiving votes. Yeah, but nobody had them close to that. There's no way. Maybe you thought Sam Howell was coming back. I think he clicked the wrong button. He had to love. And those are the kind of... Thank God they can't actually pick the national champion anymore. (laughs) Can you believe... From, like, 1936 to whenever the BCS computer came out, which still 
counted poll voting into its equation a little bit. Uh, I think maybe the coaches poll. Anyway, there was a 70-year period where these people decided who got to call themselves national champions. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Now I feel it's ridiculous that there's only four teams who get a chance at the playoff, but I digress. That's a that's a discussion for, topic for a whole another day. Are we all done uh, venting about the polls? Can we now reveal our list of who we want to root against this year? Can I throw one really unfun fact in? I think I know where this is going, but yes. So the Pitt Panthers are entering the season ranked for the first time since 2010. Uh, and the last three times that Pitt has entered the season ranked, 2005, 2008, 2010, uh, they have lost to their own. Don't nobody want to hear that bullshit, man. <laughs> why you, why you got to bring up old shit? Like I said, we've gotten too cocky as a fan base, and we, we have not been begging enough. Are you implying we're going to lose to West Virginia? I'd rather not. Okay. No, I, I would never imply that. It's a I'm great just, year to break that streak. That's great. If not, if not now, then when? We've lost the last three meetings to West Virginia. Great year to break that streak. I'm just, I, I want to remind the Pitt faithful out there how important it is to beg like dogs for victory. Because nothing is guaranteed, especially when you have a weird, fucked up history like Pitt. We already dropped a few please wins. We can't. Not going back to the well. We're beating West Virginia. Plain and simple. Kick their heads off. Please kick their heads off. <laughs> kick their unranked heads off. It's been quite a few moons since our last Mount Washington, so I figured I'd get together the brain trust, which is the three of us doing our podcast as normal uh, to talk about something very close to our heart, and that's hating teams that aren't Pitt. Uh, I don't know if you guys... I mean, it's kind of become an unwritten rule amongst our our friends that you can't say anything good about any player that doesn't play for Pitt. No, no. I, think, I think I complimented Minnesota recently in the context of saying they might beat Penn State uh, in the whiteout game. <laughs> I just got shelled as the world's biggest... Big Ten, Ten apologist. Big Ten, Big Ten apologist, David Haddad. So we have to hate everybody, but if we hate everybody, you still have to rank them. So there's some teams we hate a lot for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. But there's the polls are just... We hate them because they're hateable. And the polls was a great reminder of everyone that we hated cuz you know that preseason poll comes out and there's that couple teams you see their name just a little bit higher than it should be and you just have a visceral response to it like oh oh of oh, fucking course them them so we're going to we're going to put tears to them air quotes. Who who do we hate the most? Who specifically do we want to see lose this year? Well, it's a Mount Washington, right? So we have to pick. Yeah. Okay, how are we deciding the order? Mm, yes, the thing that we never do. Well, I was actually thinking of it while you were talking, while you are wow. going on your soliloquy. Oh. Based on who has the least amount of beer left. Your glass is empty. Squid was drinking a pounder. Oh, uh, yeah. What are you I'm, working with? I've probably got some work to do. I got a little bit. Let me see. Yeah. Did you drink anything? Yeah. 
Okay, well, Hada, you won. Wow. Finally getting the recognition I deserve for boozing. <laughs> Squid, get your game up. Uh, I think the first one is easy. Um, I think in any other year, it would be a little bit more difficult because there's, there's two teams that Pitt fans hate more than anything. Uh, but we're only directly playing one this year. So obvious 1-1 one, one teams we are rooting against in 2022, the West Virginia Mountaineers. It'll be fun to root against them because they will lose a lot. Yeah, they're they're gonna suck, and I have been recently reminded just how obnoxious their fan base is. So I'm I'm really gonna take a lot of joy out of this one. And we can like dig into it throughout the whole season. It's not yeah. gonna end after we kick their heads off. No, like week ten, they fall to three and seven. I'm probably gonna tweet at a few Mountaineer fans. <laughs> Just to remind them that we You're were ringing that bell all day. Yeah. You're going to be DMing JT Daniels. <laughs> Let's ride. Well, I will say with that, there's like when we beat Tennessee. After that, it was like, okay, our Vols. The better they do, the better we look. Mm-hmm. That will not be the case with West Virginia. No, I, I hope they go 0 and 12. My pick. It's it's that other team. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't pick anyone else. I know there's some options out there, but Penn State. I hope they go 0 and 12 again. 11 and 11 in the last two years. Maybe maybe they'll move to do uh, carry the one. 16 and 16 going into their bowl game. 500. 17 and 17. 17 and 17. That's hard. All right, mine. I think it's the obvious number three pick. USC. They got a a new guy out there who we're not too fond of right now. Um, Lincoln Riley, not a fan. They're just poaching a bunch of players. Went 4-8 and eight last year, ranked number 12 in the yeah. preseason poll. Spare me. So, overrated and hateable. Perfect mix. USC, my first pick. See, Squid actually benefits in this Mount Washington from uh, drinking like a child because the first two are so obvious right. that he gets to have a little bit of fun. USC is a team that I don't think we've played them in decades, but here we are hating them because of some things that they did to us. All right. Do you need me to get you a trash can? Are you done? Yeah. (laughs) Next. This is kind of tough right here. There's a few good choices, but I'm going to go with Miami because they get – there's two sides to this. Like I said, there's hateable schools and there's the overrated schools that you dislike for that reason. They have the overrated feel – we just said they were picked as high as four in some of the preseason polls. Also, there are our competitions. So as cool as an undefeated matchup in the last week of the season would be, if they're just out of the picture by that point, that would help Pitt out a lot. And if they are a little bit better, it helps our resume. But I'd rather watch them fall and we can say, we knew this team was overrated. We are the kings of the Coastal yet again. Yeah, with the... Like, with this being the last year that there will be a Coastal Division, I think it matters slightly less that Miami doesn't rise to, you know, historic, the U levels. Because, for me, it was always the fear that Miami would rise to, you know, the levels that they have been in the past, and they would just dominate the Coastal. Take that throne from Pitt, the the true kings of the Coastal. Yes. And that doesn't really matter too much anymore. Um, So, but... 
still, this year, Miami drops a couple games in conference. We'll still be heading back to Charlotte after we boil their heads off in Coral Gables. Mm-hmm. My pick, I'm going to go with a team that I just generally hate. Nothing specific, specifically for this year is Notre Dame. Good pick. Just Notre Dame. That's, yeah. that goes without saying. We don't have to have a discourse on it. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's uh, there's Notre Dame fans, and then there's people who get sexual pleasure out of Notre Dame losing. Guess which one we are? The, the latter. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm actually very happy that you picked that one because I thought you were going to steal what I think is a slam dunk. Um, I really, really want the Nebraska Cornhuskers oh. to do poorly this year. Because I am so sick and tired of Pitt's success from last year being thrown at the feet of Mark Whipple. And when they fail to install his setup that takes years, apparently, to yield any kind of offensive potency, I want to be able to turn around and be like, yeah, it was us the whole time. It wasn't some dude who refused to run the ball or scripted three screen passes for the you know for the first drive every single game that was winning us you know eleven football games it was it was Kenny Pickett and Pat Narduzzi. What I'm annoyed by is that everyone says they're the best three and nine team ever because they <laughs> lost all of their games by one score and they could have very easily been like a seven or eight win team because they were all one score games. They were a bad football team. They have. The fewest good football teams win close games. Yes, good football teams win more than three games. That's cut and dry. Yeah. Leave it there. It's a low bar. But there's people out there that are trying to spin this into, oh, this is actually a pretty good team, and they got a new coordinator, a new quarterback. They're not going to be good. They think. You know, um, going full circle. You know who gave them their only preseason vote? Brett McMurphy, probably. Brett McMurphy. Yeah. Okay, you get another pick. Oh, Jesus. I'm, Snake draft. Uh, let's stick with a theme, and that is shitting uh, on former pit assistants. Um, I would like for Texas to be very bad this year. So they won't be back? No. For the 20th consecutive year, the Texas Longhorns will not be back. Um, hmm. This one is equal parts because I thought Brendan Marion was so insufferable. Those last couple months where he was campaigning for himself to be hired OC, um, and then the the like very very open secret that he tried to recruit Jordan Addison away from Pitt. Um, I also have a weird thing against Quinn Ewers. I I have mixed feelings about him. I love that a kid took a took one point seven million dollars from Ohio State, didn't play a snap, and then bailed. But I also kind of see him as what's wrong with college football a little bit and he gets so much hype he's already you know being anointed um you know a heisman contender top 10 quarterback all that uh and uh, above all i just i just hate these rich programs that are back every year and they just spoil talent five stars they get hyped up preseason, and then they lose to Kansas. Fair. Texas stinks. Ewers stinks. 
Horns down. Brennan right Marion stinks. Brennan right Marion stinks. Horns down. I'm going to go, because if I don't, I'm not going to have any ACC teams. I'm going to go UNC. Coastal foe. We seem to play them tight every year. I just want them to stink. I don't really have much, much, anything much deeper than that. All right. I'm going to go with the first pick will be Texas A&M. They're a team that gets the benefit of the doubt because they have great recruiting rankings every year, but it hasn't led to anything more than just an above-average season and a few flashes in the pan, and everyone continues to think this will be the year they put it all together and make a run in the playoff. It won't. They'll win nine games in the SEC. Um, yeah. Stole one from me. That's a good one. Yeah. Next... This is tough. I'm going to go with... I always kind of praised Clemson a little bit in the last segment. I I think Clemson's... Pro- if you're going that way, yeah. I think Clemson's a good pick. I'm going with Clemson. If if they're down, Pitt is still the kings of the ACC. Yeah. I, that's at least would have been my reason. Last year thought. was as cool of a season it could have been. Clemson was a little bit down, but we beat them convincingly, and there was definitely a gap between Pitt and everybody else. And I love that. I don't want there to be any uh, dispute over who the best team in the ACC is. It will be Pitt. So I don't want Clemson to – yeah, I want them to fall off. I want Pitt to be clear-cut best team in the ACC. Make the playoff. Bada bing, bada boom. Fair. Whether we beat them in Charlotte or not. Really I will say Pitt beating Clemson in Charlotte would be huge for the Pitt brand. But that's – just so far in advance i'm i'm fine with just rooting against them each week too so i do think that there's an alternative where they can be bad and win games and it's very good for pit like if they kind of do what they did last year where they keep beating bad teams by seven given where they're starting this year they aren't going to fall the top 10 and if we can get a Charmin soft like number nine clemson in the acc championship and just shred them Something to think about. I like that. Good resume win, but the yeah. resume win but, we need. But the second you look into it, it's not that impressive. So, I was struggling to put twelve teams together. <laughs> that I, I know you have a laundry list over here. Um, Let that hate out, man. Come on. I, Na, North Allegheny. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah's ice punching air. I mean, we're North Hills guys. North Hills doesn't. Even, I don't even think North Hills plays NA they anymore. Yeah, NA. That's my the pick. University of North Allegheny. Yes. I can get behind that. That's my pick. Okay. Um, wow. Can I jump out and say Pine Ridgeland? Then no. Uh, I. I'm gonna go with Alabama. I actually have a lot of respect for Nick Saban and what he's built. He's the greatest to ever do I'm it. I'm sure he really appreciates that. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, Nick. Um, but college football is more fun when Alabama's down. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember them being down. We were so young the last time they were down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when they were down. We had really fun championship matchups like Texas, Oregon. That was not a matchup. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State, Oregon. Ohio State, Oregon. 
Texas, Oklahoma, or Texas, USC, Florida, Oklahoma. Auburn and Florida State played in a championship. Yeah. But instead, Alabama just plays in it every year. Yeah, yeah, no, I I mean, for this to be like a a fun and chaotic season of college football, uh, it needs to just not be an Alabama-Ohio State championship. What about a Pitt-Alabama championship? Beating Alabama would be sweet. Yeah, I'm sure we would. (laughs) If we get the chance to. We want Bama. Print the t-shirts. Do not print it. Do not. Janie, get on the t-shirts. Get them rolling for us. (laughs) Do not. (laughs) Do not. Uh, Do we have any honorable mentions? Wait, like I said, I I had to pick it. What? Yeah, that was all my picks. Yeah, we're done. Okay. I had to go to the high school ranks for mine, so I don't really have anything. You don't have enough hate. I'm going to against Iowa. I don't think they're overrated this year. I think they were properly pegged, but I feel like every year they're overrated and just beat all the bad teams, lose to the good teams, and people assume they're good because they have but they a respectable keep, win total. They're always like tough and disciplined enough. That it's like, oh, Iowa played a good team. Their quarterback threw for 88 yards. We're going to forget this and pretend they're a good team. Is Petra still there? Or yeah. yeah. He's still there? Yeah. He was horrible. Atrocious. Mm-hmm. What did so Pat Narduzzi like, say? Win the game. You can win games in the big time without a, without decent quarterback play. Something along. I'm paraphrasing here. Before we divulge into that, I wanted to talk shit on a couple other. Go through your list. I know okay. You uh, I also had LSU. Why Brian Kelly? I hate Brian Kelly. Okay, fair. Mm-hmm. Um, murderer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State. I hate Ohio State. I lived in Columbus. Their fans are annoying. Um, well aware. Miami of Ohio. That's a that's a personal one. Oh. Uh, and then I, I almost snuck them in at number four. Um, I want to root against UConn this year, just because it's an easy win every single week. Just you know, a, a little something that if all else fails, you know, if if Pitt loses, the Steelers. Oh lose. whoa. Oh, you would have hated the next thing I was going to say then. But, like, all these things could go wrong. And, hey, at least those damn Huskies lost, too. And it's a guaranteed. Good call. Yeah. All right, well, got hate in your heart. Let it out. We'd like to welcome to the show Pitt linebacker, Servasier Dennis. Boss, how you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm doing good. Just came off of practice, I think, eight, nine in camp. So, yeah, I'm doing pretty good today. How's that? How's everybody looking, especially that linebacker room? How are the guys feeling? Everybody's looking good, feeling pretty well, you know, trying to do everything right, really, just trying to, you know, focus on the details and just get right. So this season is fun. So what's your favorite and least favorite part about camp? Now that you've uh, <laughs> been through a few and you're settled into another round. Yeah. Uh, this is my fourth camp. My favorite thing about camp is just being around the guys, man. I really have a fun time with these group of guys, not just the linebackers, but, like, the whole team, really. It's a chance for us to just goof around and just play football, really. Like, you have that football aspect of it where you got to focus in for, like, either two hours or whatever practices, and then you got that time where it's like, all right, it's just me and the guys. Like, no coaches. It's just us together. So, 
that's what I really love about camp is just being around the guys. The part I hate about camp is like the little amount of sleep you get. <laughs> like if you think about like, I'm a nap guy, I love naps. So like after practice or something or right before class, I try to, you know, take a little 30, 50, probably an hour, 30 nap. But, you know, how camp moves is move so fast. You got lifts here, you got meetings here, you got to eat gotta hydrate so it's, it's it's little time for sleep and like I try to I like to go to bed early so and right after bed check it's like around like 10 o'clock I'm asleep so I'm like sleep at 10 02 <laughs> so yeah to keep you busy definitely added you're in now good we just started yeah, sorry about that. Uh, turns out you shouldn't leave um, like a 10-year-old laptop in direct 100-degree sunlight for like 20 minutes or it starts acting funny. But uh, yeah, Sabasi, thank you so much for joining us. Sorry I was late. Um, and sorry, we're apparently cutting into nap time. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be sensitive to that. Um, so we've, we've heard a lot of good things coming out of uh, camp so far this year obviously you know there's been massive turnover in the linebacking room uh how much responsibility do you feel to help get the younger guys up to speed as someone who's kind of mastered all three linebacking positions in this uh randy bates defensive scheme uh yeah i definitely take a lot of responsibility on it not just because you know like you said i played all three but just because i want those guys to play well you know what i mean it's, it's fun when you know what you're doing and it's fun when you're making plays so and these these are like my best friends. Why wouldn't I want them to make plays or have fun out there? So I try to coach them up, coach them up pretty hard too. Like once I'm on the field, it's 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 two sides. It's the the guy that defends you to your coach, you know, and helps you out. Like listen, it's okay. He's just yelling because of this or this. But then again, it's also that guy when I'm on the field. Like yo, let's go get your shit together. Like let's play. So it's. I feel the responsibility, but right now it's more as a big brother aspect to it. And so you basically know how to play all three linebacker spots. Obviously that helps when you're coaching those other guys up, but how important is that for all those guys to really know? Because a lot of you guys do play multiple linebacker mm -hmm. spots in this defense. How important is it to really know multiple spots and be able to play it in different places? Uh, I think it's very important. And I try to like, I try to tell those guys, like, listen, if you learn multiple positions or if you know what you're doing, like, the playing time will come. Like, my freshman year, I – shit, I hardly knew anything, really. Like, it's, it's, it's tough coming in here and learning the defense because, honestly, this is one of the hardest defenses in the country. But my sophomore year, I, I picked up on everything. I picked up on money, on star and a little mic. And I'm like, man – Wherever I fit in, wherever I can, you know, get my playing time, I will. And I tell them, listen, that's that's the chance for opportunity. Learn everything, learn as much as you can. And they'll, they'll throw you on the field because they trust you if you learn it. Yeah, because your first year here, you really didn't play a whole lot on defense, play some special teams and whatnot. And then second year, you're a third team, all ACC guy. Uh, what was that biggest difference? Was it learning more of, of playing the different positions? Was it just maturation? What What did that transition kind of look like? Um, yeah, my freshman, so my freshman year was my second year playing linebacker and I really didn't get it. I really didn't understand it at all. And I had a couple of old heads in the room, like, listen, just calm down, 
learn the playbook, learn what you need to do, fix your technique, and like everything will come after. And during that, and this my sophomore year was COVID year, so like during that time at home and time, you know, just working out and lifting by yourself, we had these Zoom calls, and it just allowed us to like learn the learn the playbook, get knowledge on everything, and really, I I, I woke up. Looked at the playbook for about an hour and a half. Uh, around lunchtime, did the same thing. Worked out. Even when I worked out, like some of my trainers would be like, "What's this? What's that?" So, like, I really, I really like dug deep into the playbook, and because I knew I could do it physically. Like when you come here, like, come on, it's it's it's, it's guys like you all over the place. So, you know, you could definitely play physically, but. When it's when it's when you're out there, you want to play with no hesitation. You don't want to think. You just want to go and you just want to do every movement you can. So that transition for me was like, let's let's get this subconsciously. Let's get this on the next level. So when I'm out there on the field, I have no worry. I just want to play and play fast. Yeah, so if you're able to play fast, it allows you to steal shovel passes and take them fifty <laughs> yards for a touchdown. Huh? So sticking in that uh, linebacker room, what's it like playing for Coach Manilak? Because from a fan's perspective, this is probably the best stretch of linebacking play we've had from the pit linebacking core in a long time. Uh, what's yeah. it like playing for him? Uh, so so one thing about Coach Manilak is he actually played in the system. Uh, he went to Cincinnati when Coach Dues was their defensive coordinator and, you know, brought this defense to Cincinnati. So – uh, he played in this, he played in the system and he also, you know, played in the NFL too. So knowing that he he tries to give us tools to help us be one, the best player we can, the best linebacker we can, and the best man on and off the field. So his, his culture in our room is like, you know, be a man, be professional and focus on the little things and we'll have fun later. Even though we have fun a lot, that's the thing. We have fun a lot. So, it's really, it's really nice what Coach Man like is because he lets you be yourself. He lets you play the way you want to play, but like within the system, like everything has to be to a certain extent, to a certain point, but you can do it your way. It's your style. So Coach Man definitely brought the swag back to the linebacker room. He, he let us, you know, be a ball player. And <laughs> one thing about Coach Man like is uh, every time we watch film and like we miss a player or something, he's like, he's always like, um, so, like, I, I'll use me for an example. He's like, see, missed tackle by Voss. Manilak, I'd have made that tackle. Probably would have been the TFL. <laughs> so, <laughs> with a, exactly. With a guy like that, it's like, oh, man, he's fired up. He just wants us to just play a little bit harder. So, like, let's let's get after it. Let's show Manilak we could play, too. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's fun. He's a good guy. He's a great coach. And even and an even better person because it's not just all about football with him. He, he like really wants you to learn and be a better person. So it's a fun atmosphere. That's awesome to hear. Awesome. So um, between his, his coaching and, uh, and, you know, your leadership in the room, uh, who are a couple guys that you see making a leap, like the one that, that you just kind of walked us through, uh, you know, as, as you made a leap and understanding of, of playing the linebacking positions, who, who's someone that we might not be thinking of that you think is going to see the field this year and, and make their name known in Panther nation. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to answer the first one for the first question you had. And I see Bengali as really as me 
Um, his first year, he struggled with the uh, defense. Well, not as much struggle, but like he wasn't really taught the defense in a way, you know, that Coach Manilak would have taught him or anything like that. So Gali kind of wasn't in the right way or right fit for us right that at that moment. But his sophomore year, his junior year, like he picked it up. He was like, guys, I want to get on the field. What can I do? How much, what can I like, how much film do I have to watch? What technique do I have to use? Like, I want to play. Like, this is that time. And he had, obviously had to sit behind some guys like Phil Campbell, JP, Cam Bright, me even. So it was like, he was a little frustrated, but he definitely showed us and himself that like, he wants it very bad and like, whatever, whatever it takes, he's going to do it. So Bengali, he he's he's doing everything he can to you know make make you know a name for himself, and I think he will this year in the ACC. But um, Shane Simon, he's he's looking amazing right now. He's picked up defense very well. Uh, Solomon DeShields, that guy is that guy is an athlete. Like he is athletic as hell. So these guys are just having fun. And then, you know, just being with Brandon, he's been in the system for a while. He's picking up the, well, he's, he, he already knows the defense. Sometimes he helps me. Uh, so Brandon, Brandon is another guy that's very intelligent and, you know, he knows everything. He has all responsibilities. He helps guys. He teaches them. Um, Buddy Mac, we talked about Buddy Mac earlier. He's, he's, he's very, he's learning. He knew the defense. Now it's in a different perspective. He was a safety. Now he's like, kind of see it as a linebacker he's like wow you guys do a lot like for the defense so <laughs> yeah he um he's picking it up very well he's making plays um he's doing everything he can and, and that's that's what we really ask of these guys is like you know just buy into what we're, what we're telling you and buy into the defense and do everything you can um we've heard uh, guys yeah we've heard really good, good things about uh Aiden Henningham another yeah another converted wide he, receiver yeah, he was next. He was next on my list. He's, he's, and actually, the thing about it, I'm in Coach Manilak's room right now. Aiden is right here. Like, you can see him through the window. He's right here watching the film right now. So, like, these All guys, right. yeah, exactly. Like, these guys want the knowledge. These guys, you know, want to know where they messed up so they could fix it. And like you said, Aiden went from, he went from receiver to star to money to might. Like, Aiden is all over the place. And he's an athlete. He, he, he does everything he can. And, you know, he's working on his technique and trying to be physical and just trying to be an animal on the defense. Aiden, is, he's doing his job. He's doing a very good job. And you guys might see a little bit of him this year. You just went through a whole bunch of names of guys who could see the field, um, mainly the linebacking room, a little bit of mix of experience, you know, with guys like Brandon who's been there a few years and then some of these younger guys who are just going to, you know, start, start getting their feet wet. Um, but across the rest of the defense in the secondary and defensive line, there's a lot of guys returning, a lot of guys coming back who played a lot of football. And I felt like as a fan watching the games, you guys really started to figure out near the end of the year to where it got to a point where this was a dominant defense. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys talk as a group as a potential, potentially being, you know, one of the top defenses in the nation, the type of, t the type of unit they're talking about on ESPN as, you know, this pit defense is legit. They're one of the best out there regardless of conference, regardless of, uh, you know, division, what we're talking about there. Yeah, definitely. This year, we understand, you know, what we could have been last year and where we were last year. So the guys, you know, we meet a lot, actually, like just the players. The players meet a lot, and we talk about, like, what we could do better, how we could be a better defense to stop the run, stop the pass, like 
how we could just click. And then when we go on the field, it's like, we expect everyone to do their 111. That's what we say at their job. Do your job, you do your 111. We expect everyone to do, you know, be a piece of that puzzle. And right now it's like, it's like, you ever seen, you ever seen like a, a, a Lego set of, let's say a football, you ever see, or, or like a, the Millennium Falcon, right? Yes. <laughs> you guys yeah. seen it. Yeah. Everyone's seen that. You know what I mean? And like, once you open a box, it's just Legos everywhere. That's <laughs> where we want to start in the summer. We just want to start where Legos is just everywhere. And right now we're just building every piece that we can. And right now it's looking pretty close to the Millennium Falcon. So it, it gets me excited, you know, knowing these guys like Hobble, Dash, John Morgan, Dayon, and, and D Green, Kalaja Kansi, all just, just that front four and the back four. Like Vernon Hill, Eric Hallett, uh, AJ Woods, MJ Devonshire, uh, Marquez Williams. Like just just being around those guys for as long as I have, and knowing that you know we want to play for each other and we know the defense very well. We just just trying to build and keep building and keep building because, like you said, we want to be that that defense that you know the country recognizes, and we think, think we can we do any, it too. I don't think we have any Mountaineer fan listeners but if there are any mountaineer fans listening out there they'd be pretty scared based oh on oh yeah they should be scared they should, <laughs> they should definitely be scared well let's this look is, at the other side of the ball uh, <laughs> you talked all about that uh top nationally ranked defense what's it like going against this new offense is it going to be a new quarterback some new skill position players a new coordinator uh what's it like going up against them in uh the brief action you've had in the camp season all I'm going to say is it's looking scary. These guys look really good. These guys look really, really good. And that's that's coming from the quarterback standpoint, running back standpoint, O-line, and receivers. Like, these guys these guys are, like, just, just building. And that's what you want to see, especially in their camp. You just want to see these guys, you know, build their chemistry, build their culture, just just build their, their team, really. Like, you know, especially when we're in campus, the teams are offense against defense. It's always offense against defense. Once once September 1st comes, we're going to put that together, offense and defense, and be pit Panthers. So right now, these guys are just just building, 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 and, and they look good. They look real good. So, so if if, if you guys if you guys are like the Millennium Falcon, uh, then then would they be like the Death Star? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> and it's getting built. It's pretty close. <laughs> That's beautiful. So uh, to turn our attention to that uh, September one matchup, uh, we've we've you guys have been asked ad nauseum uh, about you know your understanding of the backyard brawl as a rivalry and uh, and and you know how the coaches are impressing upon you the meaning of this game and that level of hatred, uh, you know to us the fans. How much has that started to imprint on you? You know you've been here for years. Uh, this is your first time playing against West Virginia. Do you hate them now as much as we do, or or is are we still are we still getting there? <laughs> so, like you said, this is my first time playing them. So when I originally came to Pitt, I'm thinking like we just hate Penn State, right? We just hate hate Correct. Penn State, with which we do. Right? Yeah, which we do, right? And I'm thinking like, yeah, we just like forget those guys. Every time I see like a Penn State logo anywhere, Oakland or anywhere on the south side, I'm like, come on, really? Like, 
it's so disrespectful. Like, I hate seeing it, right? Now it's like if I ever see like, even a West Virginia license plate, like I'm just I'm just pissed off. Like I'm, I'm I, I just don't under, like, and like and the, the guys feel it too. And like anytime we see anything West Virginia, it's just like, what the hell? Like what is this? Why is this even in Pittsburgh? West Virginia returns almost the entirety of an offensive line last year that was uh, last in the Big 12 in sacks allowed. Obviously, Pitt is top three in the NCAA the last three years in uh, sacks accounted for. Are you anticipating that you guys are going to be living in the backfield, or is there an expectation that West Virginia's offensive line uh, returning experience is going to make a step up and it is going to be a little bit more of a battle in the trenches? To be honest, I think we should be in the backfield no matter who we play. <laughs> uh, these guys live in the backfield. Like, they're, they're, that's their home. Uh, like I said, with guys like Haba, guys like Dez, John, Kalijah, D- David Green, T. Bent, like, these guys just want to be in the backfield. And then we even have some linebackers that, that's going to live in the backfield this year as well. So I hope, I hope they can withstand, you know, our front seven. Yeah, you you led the team in uh, tackles for loss two years ago before you were even a full time starter. So you are uh, you are also well acquainted with uh, the backfield. <laughs> Definitely. So I think one of the biggest questions heading into the first game of the season, uh, you know, it's been the big topic of the off season was who the quarterback's going to be. I actually heard I've heard that. Uh, there's some rumors that you're going to be the starting quarterback. Heard that at ACC media day. How'd that come about? Uh, so I played a little quarterback in my high school day, you know, you know I used to sling the rock. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I went to coach Sig one day and was like, listen, I know, I know the media is, you know, pressuring you to tell them you're a starter, this, that, and third, just give me a shot. Okay. Just give me a shot. The first couple of days of camp, if you don't like me, I'll stop. You know what I mean? Just let me go in the center, take a couple of snaps, run a couple of this, run a couple of that shotgun, throw a couple, you know what I mean? It's a quick game. I don't need to throw a little. Nothing downfield too much. Just a little quick game. He liked what I had the first couple of days, and now he's letting me open up the playbook a little bit. Hey, man, it's looking a little scary. Just watch out. September 1st, I might be under center first. <laughs> so how do you, how do you like to run the offense? You like to go five wide? You like to go under center? Maybe maybe a little read option action? What, what What's your preferred go-to at, he, at the quarterback my pref- Listen, listen, I like five wide. Let's do it. And I like up-tempo, like NASCAR. Let's do it. Five wide NASCAR. I want to throw the rock. I'm throwing more to Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Narduzzi loved loved that the amount of passing that he saw last year. I'm sure I want more of it. <laughs> I, I figure I figure Pickett finished third in the Heisman voting, but if he would have played full time at middle linebacker too, he would have been a shoe in for the award. So you gotta you, you gotta have a good shot at it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, look, the guy's calling me now. Hold on. I'm going to come up. <laughs> but, yeah, I, whew, it has to be my high year, man. Linebacker and quarterback. When have you ever seen that? Never, right? Oh, I, we're going to start printing think... the T-shirts. Linebacker and quarterback, man. LB and QB. One. The Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll let you go here in a minute. I did have one more question for you. Um, obviously that, uh, that game changer against Clemson, the, uh, the uh, screen pass that you housed, uh, that was probably the best play of your collegiate career, correct? What yeah, do you think was the second, 
what do you think was the second most important play uh, of your career as a Pitt Panther thus far? I got two answers for this. I'm going to say my sack against uh, Florida State because that that quarterback he was he was a good you know little scrambler and everything like that. He was he was a little tough to you know get down and stuff. So you know I laid out a couple of times. I had to jump and try to get him down. He was running all over the pocket. But yeah, that sack that sack was fun. But I had this one this one almost sack. It wasn't a sack. He got the ball off. But <clears throat> it was against Louisville my sophomore year, and. I got one-on-one with the running back and he tried to cut me. And I realized that, but it was a little too late. I was like, ah, he, I, like he's about, he's about to cut me. What's like, what should I do? What's my move? And I had a spin move. And I was, it was the cleanest spin move I've ever seen in my life. Like, I wish I could show you guys. Like I had, the, I had a spin move and like I started falling and got the uh, Malik Cunningham's legs. <clears throat> And as I'm like tackling him, he throw he throws the ball. If that would have been a sack, that should have been on like top ten, like everything. That'd have been number one on top ten. I promise you guys. <laughs> we'll dig it up. We'll dig it up. We'll yeah, we're gonna have to look for that one. Yeah, you gotta look for it. It was it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, he actually completed the pass too, so it wasn't even like a hurry or a pressure or anything. So I was I was pretty pissed off about that. It just looked cool. Yeah, it was it was oh it was. Um, if you guys find it, I'm telling you, you'll be like, oh, shit. I wish he got the sack. You would have you wished I got the sack just because it was that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're going to find that one. We're going to do some uh, some post-editing and, uh, and, and squeeze <laughs> it in here. But I'm, I'm sure you'll have a couple more of those this year, uh, you know, along your Heisman campaign uh, oh, yeah. and, and with a, a pit defense that is going to be downright scary this year. Yeah, so and then I got one more thing to say. You know how Kenny did the fake slot? I got yeah. something, I got something in play. Don't tell anyone. I'm just letting you know I'm just gonna I got something to play. I can't tell you what it is because you know okay. it's coming though. So when y'all see me under center, like I wanna say about week week three. Week three we play Western Michigan, right? Yeah, week three. I might do week three. Don't tell me why. You could give him that preview. We could give him that preview, but just don't tell him. I'm we'll circle preview, back you know? to this once it happens. It's a primetime <laughs> game. We're, we're going to get some eyeballs on this one. Yeah, yeah. Week three. <laughs> oh, shit. Ross, we, we really can't wait for that. We can't wait for anything this season. Um, none of us have been able to get, like, work done or chores done around the house. All we can think about is that uh, 9-1 game against West Virginia. I'm sure we're preaching to the choir there, but – uh. Thank you so much for joining us. We're genuinely so excited to uh, see what you do this year, you and your boys, and uh, hell to pit. Hell to pit. Thank you guys for having me. My best. Thank you, Hell to pit. Subscribe to Pittsburgh Sports Live on YouTube. That's our partner, Pittsburgh Sports Now's YouTube channel. You don't want to miss any of the video content we've got coming out. If you subscribe, that way you'll never miss it. Make sure to tune in to future episodes as we work through this camp season. We'll be talking to players, former players, people associated with the program, and a whole bunch of people who love Pitt as we count down the days to the Backyard Brawl on September 1st. As always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.